So I would like to read Romans 12 again. Um, and this time, as we're reading it, think about uh, what we're going to be talking about this morning, which is uh, finding and developing your gift. And specifically, the context that I want to talk about this is as it relates to your role in the church. And so think about that as we're reading this again. Verses, uh, I'll actually begin in verse 3. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I imagine there's some of you that are kind of like me, that you struggle finding your role, you know, you're kind of finding your place in a group. Whether that's socially, sometimes you're like, am I the funny guy? Am I the quiet person? Like, am I that interesting? Should I be more extroverted? Should I be more introverted? Um, We struggle finding our roles sometimes, and I think that's true even in the church, right? Like, where do I fit in, in this group of people? Like, what do I do? And that not only affects maybe the way you think about yourself, but it actually affects like the things you're doing. Maybe you wish you were doing some specific task that you assume you're incapable of doing because that's not your role, right? Or maybe you don't want to do a task even though you know like I'm probably the most qualified to do that, right? Like that's maybe should be my role. We struggle with that, or at least I do, and I imagine some of you guys do as well. And so I wanted to talk about this because not only do I think uh, that we struggle with this, um, but we need it here a lot. Um, As you can see, we're not a huge group of people, and so we need to make sure that all of us know our role or our roles and are actually living up to them. So why is this important? I've mentioned a few of these things already, but the reality is God says that we all have gifts that we can use and roles to play in the work of the church. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about that in Romans 12, how he affirms that truth. God expects us to use these gifts and these roles for others and for the church, right? So sometimes I get caught up in trying to discern or figure out what my role or my gift is, but I'm mostly worried about me in that. Like I want to know for my self-confidence, or I want to know for my ability to do something for myself like I know if I know I'm extroverted well then that will help me be more of who I need to be right but really this is about serving others and serving the church so our struggles as I mentioned before this we struggle with knowing how to contribute to the work of churches we're involved in right we struggle and are unsure how to foster and grow what abilities we may have in a way that can serve our church and we struggle sometimes uh, understanding that we need to have a role in the, ch- in the church, or we even sometimes find ourselves believing that we have nothing to offer, right? Have you ever felt that way? Um, and so the reality is God gives us each a gift 
and by giving us each a gift or gifts, he's really giving us roles. And the truth is that those roles need to be serving other people in the church, not just me, and not even primarily me. Um, And so sometimes we struggle with those realities. So how do I and we, how do we need to think about gifts? Um, In Romans chapter 12, there's a couple ways that it starts off by saying you don't need to think about gifts in these ways. Uh, Look at verse 3 again. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. All right, let's just stop there for a moment. In verse 3, there's this idea that, or a misconception about gifts is that it makes me higher than someone else, or it makes me better than any circumstance or uh, situation. Any way that you can begin to, to feel elevated or higher, right, when you're thinking about the gifts or the gift that God has granted to you, he says that's not sober. That's not sound judgment. And so we need to begin by saying a misconception is thinking that if I have a gift or if I have multiple gifts, which we all do, that makes me better or higher than any anything, any context, circumstance, person, whatever. Immediately that, God says that is not sound or that is not sober judgment. But if we continue to read, uh, moving on through this in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. And I would suggest to you um, that this is showing us that we all have gifts. Um, You could really go back not only to this, but also back to verse 2, which we haven't read Um, but do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern was the will of God was good, acceptable, and perfect for by the grace given to me, right? And this transformation that Paul is talking about, there's been something granted to him and he speaks on, uh, how he's been given this ministry, but don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think each has been given according to the measure of faith. And I think he's alluding to these gifts that have been given. And so, not only uh, should we all understand that we do have at least a gift that God has given us, there's no one in this room that is without a gift. So let's go ahead and erase that from our minds. We do have something to offer. We do have a gift. Um, And we'll talk more about that in a minute. It is... Lastly, not just for me, and it is not just for my benefit. Um, so I'm not thinking of myself more highly than others. That's not sober. I don't have a gift. I don't have a role to play. Well, that's not sound or sober either, right? And then finally, that it's just oriented for me or for my benefit. Um, verse 5 what tells us that we're individually members of one another. And so I would suggest to you again, that's not really sound or sober thinking there, right? We all have a gift. We all have roles to play, and we're serving each other with those gifts. So those are just a few misconceptions that just paying attention to these verses tells us we can't rationally think those. Maybe we emotionally we tend to think them, but rationally it doesn't hold water. Okay, so the nature of gifts. 
So how do I need to think about gifts? We talked about some misconceptions. But let's just talk about kind of the nature of gifts. Um, one, uh, I would say that gifts are from God. I mean, you can look through this, verse 2, verse 3, verse 6. God has granted, through His grace, various gifts, right? And when you're reading through this, you might think uh, these might strike you as supernatural, and maybe in the context they are, right? These might have been gifts that, like you might look at this list and you think prophecy, right? Like, ooh, that, that sounds supernatural, right? And I think there's some measure of that that is true. But I'm going to suggest to you that gifts come in kind of different forms, right? Um, for instance, some of us are born with gifts. Have you ever noticed that about other people? Like, usually we notice about other people. Like, they were born with this or that that I wish I had, right? Um, even in the Bible, I think this is true. I bet Peter was just kind of born like a zealous, energetic, decisive guy, right? Maybe his experiences elevated that, but... It just kind of seems that that was his personality, right? And really, it was kind of a gift from God that he had that, right? Or maybe uh, you think of Moses. I bet he was just kind of born a, a more meek and humble guy than a lot of people around him. It seems like he was just kind of born with that gift, right? So I think some of us are born with gifts. Um, and so when we look at this text, I think we can see that that's a fair way to look at some of this. I think another way that we're given gifts is through experiences. Um, for instance, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it really quickly because it illustrates what I'm trying to get at. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4 reads, as soon as I can get there, it reads this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which he ourselves has comforted by God. That tells us, like, when we go through affliction, maybe that gives us a gift for comfort, right? Like, because you've been comforted by God, that experience has produced in you the ability to comfort. And so that's kind of a biblical example of like how God might grant you a gift, his comfort, that then gives you a gift to give to other people, right? And so we have this idea that even experiences can give them. Uh, Paul talks about how his experience being educated under Gamaliel's feet offered him a gift of being able to reason, being able to know the law, right? We look at, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, how the Macedonians' experience of setting aside and giving had developed a gift within them of like giving be above and beyond and being a lesson for uh, the Corinthians even. And so that they were able to be useful in that gift that they had developed, right? So certainly, lastly, we understand that there are some supernatural gifts kind of we see in Scripture. Um, when you look at Romans one eleven, Paul talks about how... Uh, he had laid on with his hands on some of them and granted them gifts. And perhaps maybe that's what a lot of this is alluding to in the immediate context of uh, Romans chapter 12. Um, we know that he writes Timothy and talks about the gift that he had been given, right? And so we do see that there are some supernatural gifts that God grants as well, but 
Gifts are not just limited to that. For those of us born with a gift or a skill, will we not say that God gave that to us? Didn't God know us in the womb and form us from our inward being? As Robin was saying, he knows every hair on her head. He's very intimate with our character and our personalities and our gifts. We would say that God gave me that, right? Through the experiences, it's hard to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and say that God did not give that experience to grant them a gift and comfort, right? Through their afflictions, God has comforted you so that you may comfort others, right? So when we go through hard times and we go through good times and God is giving us these experiences that mold us and shape us in certain ways, we can rightly say God has produced this gift in me, right? This skill, this role that I can now serve. So that's probably how I want us to look at Romans chapter 12, is we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, and I think some of us are just going to say, I was not born with that skill. That is not me, right, when we read these. Or you might say, I actually see a little bit of myself in that. But then you may also say, I didn't used to be that way, but because of the way my life has unfolded, because of the people I've known, I am more of that now than ever, right? Or I'm less of that now than ever. And I want us to consider these roles and these skills and these gifts as it's stated in Romans 12 through that lens. The ones you see yourself as being gifted by from God from birth and through experience. Um, okay. And I also want to say this as we consider the nature of gifts, how the nature of gifts are through Birth through experiences, supernatural. There's those different kinds or natures of gifts. Also that they're meant to be sacrificed. Um, I mean, when you read Romans 12, Paul is definitely not saying, establish what your gift is and go like lock yourself in a way, away in a room and just like have a party for one, you and your gift. Be merciful to yourself or prophesy to yourself. Right? Lead yourself. These gifts are meant to be sacrificed. If you look at the verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as, what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And I find it no coincidence that just a couple verses down, he starts talking about the gifts that have been given. That's a part of your sacrifice to God. In your life is when you find your role, when you develop your gifts, when you see them, sacrifice those to God. Use them in a way that He needs them used. Use them in a way that He desires them used. And so we can see that there's different types of gifts, but they're all meant to be sacrificed. They're all meant to be used for God and for other people in verse 5 as we talked about earlier. All right, so we've talked a little bit about the nature of gifts. I want us to talk about maybe the purpose of gifts a little bit. Ephesians chapter 4 is the only other passage that I want us to look at in any depth outside of Romans 12. So if you could turn to Ephesians chapter 4 for a moment. I want us to read verses 11 through 16. 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers... Two, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, until we all attained the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So when we think about how gifts are meant to be sacrificed, I'm like, okay, that's a great principle, right? Like I see God gives us some gifts by birth, some through experiences. There was even instances of people receiving gifts supernaturally through the laying on of the apostles' hands. I'm like, all right, I get that. I know that I need to be using those gifts in God's ways. But like, what, what is more specific about that? Like, What is my goal with these gifts? Well, I think Ephesians 4 gives us really specific goals. When you consider gifts or roles that God wants his people to have in the church, um, we look at verse 12, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Um, every single person in this room that has become a Christian, and that is to say that is in Christ, you believe, you've been baptized, you've repented, all that stuff that comes with being a new creation, you are a saint, right? In a pop culture or in just life, we always hear kind of this juxtaposition, this phrase, saints and sinners, right? Well, we know what a sinner is, and so in Christ, we'd be on the other end of that, right? We'd be a saint. And Paul even uses that language here. He says, Saints are, be to, are to be equipped for the work of ministry. Right? That's a role that these gifts, that's a goal, I mean, that these gifts will move us towards, that we're all equipped for ministry. Also, uh, in verse 12, the building up of the body of Christ. We're not getting weaker, we're getting stronger. We're building each other up. All of these roles that God gives through uh, these gifts are to be to that end. Also, we see that we are be, in verse 13, we attain unity of faith. Every gift that God gives wants us to attain to that, a unity of faith, and it says, of the knowledge of the Son of God, right? If you continue to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ, again, these ideas that we're growing together into a complete or mature body right verse 14 the contrast is that is so we're not to be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine your role and we're going to talk a little bit about identifying which one maybe you are or which ones you are whatever that is for you it needs to move you and move others to not be just carried around by the things going on in the world Right. It needs to move you to verse 15 where you speak truth in love. It needs to move you to grow up into the head that is Christ. It needs to move you to be joined more together with the body. Right. And then it needs to move us all in these gifts to be built up in love. And so I look at Ephesians 4 as maybe giving us specific roles. Like if you have this gift, maybe you can fill these roles but I look at it more as like it has very plain goals. Romans 12 tells me the gifts. Ephesians 4 gives me the roles those gifts feed into and ultimately the goals that they're trying to accomplish. Right. So let's turn back to uh, Romans 12. We'll stay here for the rest of the lesson. 
Romans chapter 12. Okay, so now that we've talked about how we need to think about gifts, how there's different types of gifts God gives, whether from birth, experience, supernaturally, and, and how uh, those need to be sacrificed and how those need to have these goals from Ephesians 4, I think we can um, uh, move into a little bit more specific gifts from Romans chapter 12. I would say this before we start because I'm afraid I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give the impression that you need to find one of these. Um, I think that's a good place to start. Like find one of these that is just you. And we're going to talk about how to determine which one's you. But find one of these that's you. And if you've never talked thought about this, start there. But the goal really is that we're developing all of these gifts, right? I think Christians are supposed to be kind of stewards of all the gifts. We're supposed to be merciful. In a way, we're supposed to be teachers. In a way, we're supposed to be leaders. In a way, you know, when we look at Christ, do we point to any one of these and say, like, that was him? We kind of look at all of these and we're like, man, Christ did that one the best, and he did that one the best, and he did that one the best. And so in that way, I think that's kind of the big goal, is that maybe we start with the ones we're drawn to, we're better at, and we work out from there, right? So I just wanted to say that before I kind of pigeonhole us into like maybe one here. Um, but how do I know what my gift is? Now, I hope some of you are like, this is, you know, you've, you've thought about this and maybe you already know kind of where you're at. If you're like me, you're kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm sort of some of these and kind of some of them, so I'm not really good at any of them, Right? Um, how do you know what your gift is? Well, let's look at the list of the gifts of Romans 12. Beginning in verse 6, apparently some have been given this prophecy. Verse 7, there's service and teaching, exhortation in verse 8, contribution or giving, you might say that, um, and leading in verse 8, and then last of verse uh Mercy. So I'm seeing seven here, if I'm counting correctly. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. Now, I don't want to take away. I think probably these were some gifts given supernaturally, but I think these are also gifts that all of us can have. Prophecy might be the most concerning one. Like, how can any of us be prophets today? I, I think the definition of prophet is just, uh, if I looked it up, and it says declaring the purposes of God. So I think in a sense, we can all be prophets, right? We can all know and declare the purposes of God. Um, sometimes we think it's like just future-related stuff. Like, um, but by definition, it's not. It can include that, but it's just speaking the purposes of God. In fact, uh, really, even in the old law, prophets, you know how you knew a false prophet? was if they didn't speak the purposes of God. It wasn't, like, really much else than that. You'd say, what are they saying? Is it true or is it untrue? Has it come to pass or has it not? And that's how you discern. So really, God has had kind of that even working definition for a long time. Um, so really, I think all of these are gifts that we can have. So we have prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. I'm going to give you, and I heard these from someone else, so if you find them helpful, I'll let you know who I heard these from, and you can go listen to that lesson or whatever. But I found this helpful for me a lot. 
I'm going to detail a scenario that I think might help you kind of figure out where you are if you've never thought about this. All right, so imagine a big group of people go out to eat at a restaurant. You're ordering lots of food. You're having a good time. Waitress comes with one of those inordinately large trays of food that you're wondering, how in the world do they do this, right? But as she gets to the table, she spills the tray, and food goes everywhere. It lands on a couple people in the group. Now they're all nasty. It hits the table. The table's nasty. It hits the floor. The floor's nasty. The waitress' worst nightmare has happened, right? Not only did she spill the food, she spilled it on the guests, right? All right, so this is what I want you to think about. Imagine that scenario. How do you think a prophet reacts in that scenario? If you're a prophet type, what do you think that looks like? This could have been avoided if you'd been more careful. That's the truth, right? Like, and I'm not saying anything for the motivation or the tone, but that's just the truth, right? Probably could have been avoided if someone had been more careful, right? So a prophet might notice the truth and state that, right? Are you like that person, right? Or maybe you're the... Uh, or let me say this, the motivation of the prophet is to correct a problem by telling the truth, right? If you knew the truth, you would correct the problem. Maybe you're uh, the one that serves. So you notice the need and you say, I'll help clean up, right? In that scenario, you're the one that jumps and says, oh, I'll help clean up, right? Because your motivation is to fulfill a need of effort, a need of work, right? Like to serve, um, in that scenario, maybe you're the teacher and you're noticing an opportunity for something to be learned here. And so you say, you look around and you say, well, I'm noticing that the carpet's torn up and I bet you probably tripped on that right there. And so if you fix the carpet, you can avoid this in the future, right? A teacher sees the problem and connects it with the solution and says, this can be avoided in the future, right? And so maybe as a teacher, your motivation is why did this happen? Maybe that's you, right? You want to know why this happened and you want to fix it. Maybe you're the exhorter. You know, you notice the waitress a little bit, her self-esteem's been a little bit shattered here. And so you say something like, hang in there, your job's demanding and fast-paced. It happens, right? Just hang in there. Maybe that's what you do in that scenario. Like, that's the first thing you jump to because your motivation is uh, to make dealing with an issue or a problem easier. You want to kind of help bear that burden, right? Maybe you're the giver. You're noticing that there's no more food anymore, right? And so you say something like this. Well, you know, I'll be happy to order more food for everybody, you know? Also, I have a spare shirt in my car. If you want to run out there and grab it, you could put that on and you'll be clean, right? You'll have a clean shirt. Maybe you're that guy, you want to give things to a situation, and you have the ability to give things to a situation, and so that's where you jump in, right? Maybe you're the leader. Oh, and the, motiva the motivation of the giver is to meet a need of resources. Maybe you're the leader. You're noticing all the things that need to get done now in this chaotic situation, so you, I'll go say this, I'll go with such and such and help them get cleaned up. B and C, you guys, right, 
you help the waitress clean up and you order more food, right? Notice the leader kind of takes charge and gives everybody a task and says, this way we'll get done, we'll get over this the quickest and we'll move on. We'll be able to continue having a good time, right? Maybe you're that person and your motivation is to achieve a goal through organization or teamwork, right? That's how you kind of tackle this. Maybe you're the merciful one. You notice the red face of the waitress when all this is going on, and you say something like this. Don't worry about it. I've had something like this happen before. No big deal. It happens to us all, right? Maybe that's your immediate reaction because you notice she's starting to look a little red in the face, right? Your motivation is to relate and relay care, right? That you care. I don't know if that helps you determine like what your response is in that situation. Um, maybe that starts to give you an inclination towards your gift, the thing maybe you were born with, or the thing that maybe you've developed over time through your experiences. Maybe you say, well, I'm this one and this one. That's great. You have two gifts. You have two responses, even better, right? And you can go down the line. If you said, man, I would have done all that, then I'd be like, great, you're the five-tool, like, perfect baseball player type. You do everything. And that's fine, but I hope maybe this is a way to kind of uh, think about this in practical terms to see, like, you do have a role. You've, you naturally kind of slide in somewhere. Um, and I would say this as well. Imagine if this uh, group of people that were going out to eat were all prophets. Like, if every single person there was at You know, this could have been avoided if you had been more careful. That's right. That's right, it could have been. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And everybody just sits there saying that, patting each other on the back for noticing that, right? Not a lot's going to get done, let alone quickly, right? Waitress is going to feel terrible if everybody's just saying that. Imagine you're all the merciful type, and you all just sit there telling her, it's okay, it's all right, this has all happened to us before, no big deal. Well, still, nothing's getting done, Right? Nothing's changing. Maybe this happens tomorrow, right? Because she makes the same mistake. She never notices the carpet's torn up, right? It takes a diverse group, right? If the table, if each one of these roles is represented at the table, you know how quickly this situation is taken care of? And that's really what God wants in the church. He wants that table to be filled by every kind of role. So that, and hopefully some of us have multiple roles, so that we can plug in whichever way, whatever role that we're capable of plugging in, we can do that. Another way to maybe help determine your gift is think about this. What characters or what people of the Bible draw you in? You ever think about that? Um, perhaps if you're interested in Peter or Jeremiah even, you know, ones that constantly preached due to the zeal that they had. Jeremiah even said, I have a fire in my bones, and I have to speak the word of God, even though it caused him to cry and mourn and go through all this stuff. Maybe you're a prophet. You know, maybe if you're drawn into those stories of those people, maybe you're that prophet type. Preaching because there's a zeal or fire in your bones, right? Maybe you're drawn into Timothy or Ruth. Characters that in the Bible were just doing what they needed to do, right? Were ministering and taking care of the people around them. Maybe you're a server, 
right? Maybe that's your role. If you're drawn into those characters, maybe that's where you, you slide in. Maybe if you're drawn to Luke or Ezra, you know, Luke, concerned about the facts and concerned about getting the account right, right, and sharing that correct and detailed account. Ezra, who spoke the law and let the people listen to it, and he put emphasis on reading and knowing the word, right? Maybe you're a teacher because you're drawn into those characters, those people. You're concerned about the facts and details. Maybe you're an exhorter because you're like, you're drawn into Barnabas or Paul, right? You love their stories because of how much they built people up and they went around doing it. Barnabas was known to be that, right? You're an, an encourager and builder up of other people. Maybe you're drawn into the man from Luke 7, you know that centurion that gave a lot to the Jews and he was recognized as having given a lot to help build their synagogue. Or maybe you're drawn into the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 8. Maybe that means you're a giver. Like you like those little snippets of insight into how these people are known for their giving, right? Maybe that tells you you're somewhat like that. Maybe you're into Nehemiah or David, people that were strong leaders. They brought their people and organized them and had them accomplish great things, right? Maybe you're like you're drawn into people like John the Apostle John, or maybe the character from the Old Testament, Joseph. Um, two people that were kind of known for their love and mercy, right? John, you can't read his books without hearing those terms. Um, but certainly Joseph, right? He rose to the top, and then what did he do to his brothers? Maybe that story resonates with you. Um, if that's the case, maybe that tells you your gift is mercy. Maybe that's what you're drawn towards. Um, you know, whatever your gift is, hopefully these kind of two different ways to think about it, um, helps you start to get a sense of maybe where you are. Maybe when you thought about the silly restaurant scene that I, you know, was able to share with you, maybe that pointed you towards one or two or three of these roles that you could see yourself doing. Like I've been there and that's what I did. Right? Maybe when you think about your, the, the person you always make comments about, like no matter what you're studying, you always relate it to this one person's experience in the Bible. Like you're always bringing up Peter. Or you're always bringing up John. Right? Maybe that tells you where you are. Um, and so I just wanted to share these two ways I heard of maybe trying to give yourself insight into which role maybe you've been given or which <coughs> gift you've been given by God. Because it's really important for us to, one, give it serious consideration because God has given us a gift and it's our responsibility to figure out what that is and use it well. But then, two, um, that's really half the battle of finding your role in the church is figuring out what your gift is. I think once you figure out what your gift is, it's, it gets pretty easy. Because if you say, well, you know, I'm the prophet, well, then find opportunities to speak the truth. Right? That's the easy part. Or if you say, well, I'm merciful. I'm, I'm the mercy person. Well, you know what? Find opportunities to show compassion. It's that simple once you figure out what your gift is. Right? And that's where I wanted to go is next is not only how do I identify my gift. Hopefully those two ways were helpful for you as you sit here identifying. Maybe they, 
They spring you into other ways to help you identify them. But how do you develop your gift? Once you're able to like kind of narrow it down to like, I think maybe these things are my gifts from God, how do you develop it? It's as simple as doing it, right? Once you know like these are my gifts, just go practice them. Um, if you're a teacher, find opportunities to pay attention to the facts and teach. If you're a leader, find opportunities to organize people around a common goal and lead them there, right? For instance, uh, prophets. If you find yourself relating to the prophet, and I think I can uh, say that with every one of these qualities, this is just me, and you may disagree with me, but I think every one of these qualities, I thought of at least one or two people in this room that kind of fit this. So I want us to know that, like, if I'm right, that's just my perception. This room represents a very healthy cross-section of God's gifts. And we could be serving each other very well and faithfully because God, I think, has equipped all of us with different ones. Um, so if you find yourself thinking you're a prophet, we need you in the church. We need you to be a part of this church in downtown Atlanta because you can help us proclaim the truth and you can help us identify sin, right? Like that's what prophets do. If there's sin in the church, you know what kind of people stand up and call it out? The prophets of the church, the people that see that and call it for what it is. We need you to do that. If you're a server, we need you in this church to help the rest of us. Give us practical assistance in whatever comes our way, right? Sometimes that looks like driving us around. Sometimes that looks like praying with us. Sometimes that looks like you know, doing the visitor cards or whatever. We need those people, right? This church needs helpers and servers. If you find yourself relating to teacher, we need you to be a teacher. This church needs you to be a teacher, whether that's up here or whether that's at home or whether that's on like the week, a weekly Bible study somewhere, whatever. Be the person that pays attention to the facts and shares that with people. Be a teacher. If you find yourself relating to exhorter, if you believe that's your gift from God, we need people in this church that are excited. And, you know, the exhorters, I feel like, kind of are the fire, right? They're the people that come in and they get people excited and they encourage people and they help bear burdens, right? Somebody's going through something, the exhorter gets them through it, right? We need people like that in this church. You've been to churches without those people, and you know that they're not there, right? We need people like that here. We need givers. You know, this church wouldn't even, like, meet in this room if we didn't have givers. Like, givers, I think sometimes those of us with good hearts say, man, I really wish I could be more involved with the church personally. I feel bad just throwing money or resources at issues or problems or efforts, well, you know what? Maybe your station in life right now because you are busy and you have responsibilities is to be in the role of giver. And that's not a bad or wrong gift exercise. We need those. We need people that give resources, right? And maybe later or earlier in your life, you're able to be other roles. But know that God has given you to be a giver right now. And we need that. This church needs givers, we need those who are willing to support the work of the church and of other people. <clears throat> leaders. This church needs leaders. We need those who 
organize and motivate us to actually get things done. Uh, you know, we wouldn't be able to do any of the Lord's work without some sort of leadership. And obviously Christ is offering us His leadership. He's the head, right? But we need those motivating us here and now that are following Christ. This church needs those who can take charge and motivate. And ultimately, we need in this church those of you who are merciful. And maybe downtown uh, might prompt this more than any place because we meet a lot of different kinds of people. And we have to understand that. We need the people in this group to be compassionate and loving towards those people. And so this church needs those who are merciful. So hopefully this has given you a concept of like gifts are not just supernatural. You can be born with them. That's biblical. And God gave you that thing. You can develop them through experiences and that's biblical. And God gave you that. And Romans 12 gives you an idea of what kind of gifts he gives. He gives prophets. He gives leaders. He gives those who are merciful and those who are giving and those who are teachers and those who are servers. But then ultimately, I hope this lesson's been able to help you start to think about ways to figure out which one you are and know that to develop that is just simply doing it. So if you're a teacher or a prophet or whatever, do that thing. Um, this church isn't going to survive. This church, and what I mean by that is, the church universal isn't going to be glorifying to God if it doesn't exercise its God-given gifts. But also, this church downtown is not going to make it very far as far as the gospel is concerned, as far as evangelism is concerned, as far as edifying and building up the body is concerned, and we're not exercising the gifts God's given us to accomplish that stuff. Um, and so, the last passage here, I forgot about this one. I lied to you a moment ago. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, it's just two verses. This is what we're going to wrap up with. You know, it's easy, even when you know what your gift is, to just forget to use it. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. Like, you kind of know your place in the church, and you've been doing it for a long time or whatever, but it's, like, easy to kind of get off that and, like, just not do it. I don't know another way to put it. Um... I think 2 Timothy shows us that. So, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit of fear, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So apparently this gift Timothy had specifically came through those supernatural ways that we were talking about. But just like us, it was a gift from God, right? The means that it got to him maybe looked a little different, but just like the ones we're born with or we get through experience, it was this gift of God. The funny thing about Timothy was he apparently was like kind of just letting it stagnate, like he wasn't using it maybe like the way he should have, exercising it the way he should have regularly exercised it. We do the same thing. I know I'm a prophet. But I don't feel like telling the truth today. Or I know I'm a prophet, but I'm tired, right? I know I'm a prophet, but people don't like prophets, so I'm not going to be a prophet anymore. We do that kind of stuff, right? 
Um, don't forget to fan the flame or to exercise your gift. Um, even Timothy maybe overlooked that sometimes, and we need to remember that as well. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, as it says, but of power and of love and self-control. So hopefully this lesson was helpful for us. Um, something I was thinking a lot about a lot for the last two weeks. I meant to do this the last time I talked, but I wasn't quite ready. Um, and you can tell because I've gone 45 minutes that I've been thinking about it a lot. But anyway, I really hope and pray that we can find our roles because um, we need those people here. And I know you guys are serving because we're a small group, probably in three or four roles, and maybe even in roles you're not comfortable with, and I appreciate that. Um, and I, I really appreciate a lot you guys stretch yourselves in those ways. And I just pray that we can be more like Jesus and be that kind of multi-gifted people so we could be to the praise of his glory. So if there's... Uh,